0: Spotlights is a series of online events and publications focusing on a particular group of victims and survivors who are often hidden from services. As part of our Spotlight on Homelessness and Domestic Abuse, my colleague Deirdre has met with Louisa Steele from Standing Together Against Domestic Violence. Louisa talks to Deirdre about why considering multiple disadvantages is key to supporting women who have experienced domestic abuse and homelessness and how the Housing First model offers a new way of supporting women and men who are chronically homeless. We hope you find this interview as enlightening as we have.
1: for joining me today to talk about homelessness and domestic abuse. Oh, thank you. Okay. So obviously the spotlight's about homelessness and domestic abuse, mm. and people listening probably have very different concepts of what homelessness is and yeah. how it relates to domestic abuse. So I'm guessing there's different types of homeless. Can you break that down a bit?
2: Yeah, of course again. can. Um, so um, homelessness, I think a lot of people picture um, kind of a typical homeless person as generally being male. Um, and generally being, so what we would say, a rough sleeper. Yeah. So somebody that uh, literally sleeps outside um, Mm -hmm. and doesn't have um, a fixed address um, and somebody you know with all the bags and bedding and looking a bit dirty and dishevelled. So uh, that is a category of homelessness, rough sleeping. Okay. Um, And those are the people you'll see kind of bedded down in doorways and things like that. Um, There's also... uh, uh, So, uh, people that are in hostels are are also classed as homeless as well, you're still homeless if you're in a hostel Um, and there are lots of different hostels uh, for depending on the needs of the client so hostels for clients with quite complex needs, mainly support needs around mental health, the drug and alcohol um, and um, those that are kind of need less support and are kind of ready to live independently or semi-independently um there's also and this is quite pertinent for women um hidden homeless okay so um this is a category of homeless people and as i say it's uh women are much more likely to stay hidden for longer that will be sofa surfing um they will be uh staying with friends acquaintances they'll be in crack houses they'll be wherever they can be to not be on the streets Mm -hmm. Um, and those don't get counted as much because obviously um, they're not out there and maybe they're not accessing services either Um, and women are much more likely than men to stay hidden for longer because obviously um, for women the streets is an absolute last resort they will do whatever it takes to stay off them because it's more dangerous for women on the streets than it is for men. Um, so those are the kind of main categories. And as I said, the
1: hidden homeless is less known about it and it's kind of less counted. Obviously. Because they're less obvious because yes. they don't want to be on the streets. Yeah. Because they're vulnerable there. Yeah. And not maybe not accessing services as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so they're not being counted. Exactly. Yeah. And your work at Standing Together mm. is around... Housing First, yep. and women and girls who are homeless because of violence and abuse who are also, also experiencing multiple disadvantages. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Um,
2: some of them may be not homeless because of domestic violence yep. and abuse, but have definitely experienced that often at multiple points throughout their lives. Yeah, And that's also not taking away from the fact that domestic violence is a major cause of homelessness for many women as well.
1: Yeah. so just to break that down a little bit maybe starting out with the women mm. what is multiple disadvantages this defines um severe and multiple
2: disadvantage uh, serious social problems yeah um so those social problems could be child poverty kind of growing up in a really disadvantaged background, socioeconomic background. Um, They can be um, domestic violence, experiencing Mm -hmm. violence and abuse. Um, uh, It can be uh, childhood sexual abuse Mm -hmm. um, and trauma from childhood. And it's looking at how all those adverse experiences act in a mutually reinforcing way. And all of those things acting together change the experience of that person um and change the solutions needed to deal with it they act together to 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 make it very difficult for you to get support um, and also the way that um services are structured being very single issue yeah. focused um, your experience doesn't meet that Yep. Um, because your homelessness, your domestic violence, your childhood sexual trauma, um, your uh, drug um, addiction all create kind of, they, they, they band together to create a completely different experience that single issue services find it difficult to address.
1: So you're looking at women who are experiencing violence and abuse, they're experiencing okay. homelessness, yep. and you're looking at Housing First as a response to that. What is Housing First? Because I'm guessing a lot of domestic abuse practitioners might not know of that concept.
2: Yes, Housing First. Uh, Becoming a bit of a buzzword um, and growing in popularity in the UK, it is a um, model of working with, um, so they say long-term, people that have been long-term or chronically homeless, they use in the US. And what does that mean? So that basically means have spent considerable... so periods of time either sleeping rough
1: mm-hmm.
2: or um, a lot of the time in the UK especially we see have been in and out of, the, of hostels and going round and round the hostel system for ages because they are not ready to move on. Um, the way that um, housing pathways for homeless people are structured In England, um, it's like a staircase. It's a very tiered approach. Okay. Um, So you have to... So you'll start off in a very high... Like, maybe a high support complex needs... Hostile, and the expectation is that you will um, make some improvements, make some progress, and you will be able to move on to kind of like semi-lower
1: support, what? semi-independent. Yeah, what do they mean by progress? Do they mean maybe um, using less or...
2: Yeah, using like maybe getting on, starting to get on top of your addiction issues. Yep. And a lot of the time it will be conditional as well so you will have to engage with such and such treatment service or go to this group um and for um for people that have been homeless for a very long time Mm -hmm. um and who have little reason to trust services yeah um this is not something that's feasible Uh, for them Um, Mm -hmm. and that's why they end up not being able to progress and then they're just we say getting stuck in the revolving door um, of the hostel system Um, so Housing First is for those clients Um, now basically what Housing First does um, it actually originated in the US um, for uh, patients with like quite chronic complex mental health needs Mm -hmm. Um, and it's now all over kind of the US Canada Europe um, and what it does is it works on the premise that if you give somebody their own home, um, it will provide them a platform to make other positive changes in their life. Once they've achieved that stability, because if you ask a homeless person what they want, they're going to tell you they want they want somewhere to stay, or a home, or a flat. As anybody would. Exactly, yeah, because yeah. it's it's, housing is a basic human Right. Yeah. Um, and that's where housing first starts from. Yeah. So if you if you give someone that, you will start to see them make gains um, in other areas. So they might, you know, go to a drug treatment service and get on a script for the first time in years, mm-hmm. register with a GP you know, start dealing, um, start going to the hospital and having scans and, you know, things like that. Um, but obviously, the other aspect of Housing First is these people aren't housing ready, so they need intensive support to help them maintain that tenancy. So another key aspect of Housing First is that you have a Housing First worker there, um, and the caseload for Housing First workers is quite small compared okay. to others, so it's like five to seven recommended okay. uh, clients to, per case worker because the support... Is so intensive. Is it um, quite holistic? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you do absolutely everything. Yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, I was a housing first worker at St Mungo's for two years uh, and I had five clients. Um, and it would be things like taking them to the doctors, um, uh, what else? Mental health appointments, um, going to get their uh, methadone scripts with them, going swimming. <laughs> playing golf. <laughs> it's Customer. really it's it's a really it's looking at the person and then it's surrounding that person with wraparound support. Yeah. Um and you do build, you know, quite strong relationships um with these clients that are based on trust. Yeah. Um and the whole model is underpinned by a philosophy of choice and self determination. Okay. So the client leads. Right. Um, so yeah, and it does work very well. Um, yeah. I think it's 70 to 80% tenancy sustainment um, in England, um, and considerable progress made
1: with substance use issues and um, outcomes around health. It makes common well. sense. I yeah. mean, how can you really deal with the other issues yeah. in your life if you've not got somewhere to yeah. sleep at night? Or knowing that having somewhere to sleep at night yeah is dependent on you taking care of all these other
2: exactly. things exactly yeah exactly there's a move in homelessness to make it more person-centered yeah uh, and make it more around you know psychologically informed environments and trauma and things like that um but there's still uh i think um an issue around listening to what clients want and being led by the client yeah and housing first really puts the clients in the middle and goes from there
1: Mm. basically yeah i think that's a change for a lot of organizations that work with vulnerable people to not jump towards telling them what you think they need to Mm -hmm. be safe and secure but thinking about what they say exactly
2: um and being led by them so that's kind of what housing first um is okay um And then what do you do in your role here at Standing Together? So my role is to evidence build um, uh, for the need for a specialist housing first for complex needs women. Yeah. in the tri-borough so that's um, the main bit of my work to kind of um, collect data monitor, evaluate and evidence the need um, the other part of my role is um, kind of improving cross-sector working between um, homelessness and domestic violence mm-hmm. sectors yeah, because it's not it doesn't always work so smoothly yeah. at the moment um, so I'm going to be delivering training uh, for homeless providers on um, uh, working with uh, women who've got multiple and complex needs who are experiencing domestic violence. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lack of understanding. Yeah. And homelessness providers just
1: don't ask, they don't want to ask, they're scared a bit, like, they don't see it as their job. And I'm guessing if... They have a woman coming to them about a homelessness issue yeah and not outwardly talking about the domestic abuse that issue might not be identified unless they ask yeah. a question exactly they've got to be asking the right questions
2: in the right way for these women yeah because this is the thing and this training will be very much this is not be basically like DB dynamics as I would do yeah for you know housing or, well, you know, housing options team. For a woman who's
1: in a domestic abuse yeah. relationship and saying, I need to leave because yeah. of domestic abuse, yeah. this is a very Clearly different options.
2: scenario. here's the yeah. non order, and da-da-da. Um, because these women are very... As I said, because they've experienced multiple disadvantage, they, uh, uh, their experience of violence is almost... Changed, but it has to be dealt with slightly differently. You have to ask about it differently. Mm. Um, And, I don't know, talk to them slightly differently. And it it takes longer as well. Yeah. Um, That's one of the good things about Housing First, I think, for women, is because you've got that intensive support, Mm. you can build that relationship over time. Yeah. Um, And once they trust you, because these women have very little reason to trust... Um, But once they trust you, they generally do start to open up, I find. Um, so yeah, that's my role the training as well um, and I'm also trying to get registered social landlords on board because obviously one of the main elements of Housing First is housing
1: <laughs> So <laughs> we're going to provide you with some housing first uh, Where's the housing?
2: Yeah. Invisible, <laughs> invisible housing that doesn't exist in London um, So yes, yeah, so that's another main part of my role is trying to really um, sell the model um, to social landlords um, to
1: try and get some
2: units and some buy-in for things like that. I think
1: that's really hard because for them it's about hard. profit yes. and not losing the value of yeah. their accommodation. Exactly. How do you get them to do something so generous? Mm. It's, it's, housing first is difficult
2: in London because of the housing issue um, um, back in the service I work for for St Mungo's we used private rented accommodation yeah. and that was difficult, it's yeah. not impossible but it is very difficult and I think there are a lot of quite relevant conversations to have around housing, very vulnerable um, women clients in private rented accommodation because the standard in London isn't great and the tenancies are very short and it's, um, you know, it's not the permanent stable base that um, Housing First needs, really, to, to work. Yeah. But, you know,
1: if it's all you've got, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you've got to work with it. You've only been in your role for a month, so I'm guessing you haven't yeah. yet fully evidenced the work of Housing First. <laughs> what are you hoping to find? Um, well, I'm hoping to find
2: that... Um, so if you compare... A woman's journey through traditional housing pathway options, so maybe going into a hostel or temporary accommodation, than with a woman that goes through Housing First. I would hope that you would see um, the woman in Housing First um, kind of stabilising a little bit more quickly. Yeah. Um, Seeing some outcomes around health yeah um outcomes around increased kind of mental health and or a sense of well-being yeah and safety yeah difficult thing to measure um but um but things like that really um compared to somebody who did go through the existing pathway um i think um yeah for 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 women <laughs> Success in Housing First looks different to success or, or progress in other, uh, maybe other areas because these are people with quite serious problems and they're not necessarily going to be getting back into work and
1: no.
2: re-entering as, you know, outstanding, normal, in inverted commas, members of society. Um, it has to be relative to them, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. And it can be the tiniest little thing yeah um and especially around domestic violence, I think in my experience of it um, it the progress and good outcomes look like women telling me yeah women talking about it every time we meet up telling me when it. things happen yeah um, being able to safety plan with them mm. so obviously a lot of the time these women aren't leaving the abusive relationship um, because for a lot of them, um, the perpetrator is like. Uh, the kind of it, protection yeah. um, and kind of like their best option yeah. <laughs> sadly in many ways um, so about safety planning with them and it's a very slow chipping away piece of work chipping away is not the right phrase um, on building confidence and resilience because that's what's really key it's building up women who who don't feel normal and whose self esteem and confidence is like was taken away taken away a long 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 time ago. Yeah. So it's a long term, slow piece of work with you know small outcomes but big outcomes for the clients. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as I said, women talking about it, women disclosing when it happens, being able to safety plan, um, and starting to make steps building confidence and resilience and starting to make steps towards thinking about a life that doesn't involve the perpetrator Mm. that's kind of what good outcomes look like for these women I think but that's what I'm
1: hoping to find yeah well I mean it all makes sense why wouldn't I mean if somebody's trying to safeguard their own life Mm. it's much easier to have that known perpetrator and how to know how to deal with it and have somewhere to live than yep. the unknown of being homeless on the streets with who knows how many perpetrators yeah. with nowhere to hide or go. Exactly. And I think this mobile, I think the mobile
2: advocacy, one of the key things that came over from the learning from the US was that women are survivor-led advocacy women are their best advocates yeah. they know the perpetrator the best um, and therefore they should be leading on on, on on their support
1: as they always should
2: be yeah. in the middle of their safety plans as they always should um but yeah for these women um especially important because they've obviously they've been through a lot of services that have been telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing for quite a lot of the time their entire
1: lives so um yeah so it's important that they have that yeah. choice I'm guessing even the terminology domestic violence doesn't work no. too well for them I mean they might associate it with having a domestic Home. I think
2: it's kind of talking about talking about it to them in ways that they will understand and identify not using and identify with yeah. and not using jargon and things like that. Um, so yeah. Um yeah. It's a different piece of work but it's an interesting one. Sounds positive. Um, yes.
1: Sounds really interesting. Definitely. I'd be very interested to know what what you find.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, I think I'd already had some ideas on it because before I took this role, I was doing some research and uh, into women's experiences of the housing first model. Yeah. Because at the moment, there's only two housing first projects in the UK that works only with women. Okay. Um, one of them works with female offenders or women at risk of offending up in Manchester. The threshold. That's the one. Yeah. It's great it's really great Um, they've just um, brought out an evaluation actually Mm -hmm. um, which the York Centre for Social Housing Policy did Yeah, and that's really good Um, and there's another one which I just discovered recently in Leeds which works with um, uh, sex workers so housing first for women involved in sex work
1: wow yeah that sounds really good I know it's amazing sounds really innovative (laughs) yeah cool okay well thank you for talking to me no worries. It's been great. Okay. Thank you. Thank nice.
0: you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Safe Life Spotlight on domestic abuse and homelessness, please go to our website, safelives.org.uk, where we will be uploading new content every week from different experts between the 7th of August through to the 15th of September. You can sign up for our webinar on the 22nd of August at 11am by joining the Safe Lives community and going to events. And we want to hear from you. We need your views, experiences, and practice or tips. So join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag SafeAtHome and get involved in the Safe Lives community. Thank you.